0: eight, And above all things I want to just clarify right real quick. Look at the word and connecting you to verse 7. So in light that the end of all things is at hand. Above all things. Have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover a multitude of sin. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift. It doesn't say gift. It says the gift. Even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. That God in all things may be glorified Through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. And they must not have been Baptists because they said amen. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, glorify yourself in what you do tonight. In Jesus' holy, precious, and mighty name. And all God's children said, amen. You may be seated. How many of you find it difficult to love some hope? You know, one of the things that uh, you and I must realize that to just show brotherly love one to another sometimes can be difficult. But to show agape love, And so what Peter is dealing with here is he's writing to these persecuted believers. And he reminded them as we looked at this morning, the end of all things are at hand. Be sober. Be watchful unto prayer. And above all things, love. You know, it's amazing, it's, you and I begin to understand how the Lord works in our lives. That The Lord hinged all of the commandments on two facets of love. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor. And so... Lord hinged all of he was going to do, all He was going to say as the evidence from those two commandments. Now I want you to see this because this is a uh, really a very intriguing passage. I want you to see first the exhortation of love. He says, "Above all things, have fervent charity or agape love among yourselves. Now, he gives this as an imperative command in the Greek text. So in other words, this ain't a suggestion he's given. It's a command. Now, here's the thing. What Peter is stating here is the same thing the Lord Jesus stated to his disciples. And here's what the Lord said to his disciples in John 13. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I loved you. That you also love one another by this, by this love. All men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, so I want you to listen real close to what the Lord said to his disciples. A new commandment I give unto you. You say, well, wait a minute. It wasn't a new commandment. This is what God said to Israel in Deuteronomy 6. But it was new in this facet. It was new in the reality that now, when the Lord Jesus was about to unveil the person of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he told his disciples, I'm leaving you, but it's good that I leave you because if I don't leave you, I will not send the Comforter unto you. And here's what the Lord's saying. He said, guys, listen. When the Comforter comes, a commandment that has always been Will be brand new to you because now you can live in the reality of it. And now, instead of a commandment that Deuteronomy 6, Israel would quote every single day of their life, there was only that passage in Deuteronomy 6 that Israel was required to quote every single day of their life. They had to quote all the law at least once a year. But Deuteronomy 6, every single day of their life, and now here's what he says to to his disciples. He said, but guys, listen, when the Comforter comes, when I leave and the Spirit of God comes alive in you, he said, as I was in the Father, you will be in me and I will be in you. And he now says a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I loved you. Can you imagine? That now all of a sudden what these guys have been quoted every day of their life. Jesus said there's going to be a day that that commandment that you quoted every day of your life. Will be as if it's a brand new commandment unto you. Because you're going to be able to walk in the reality. And for the first time you're going to know what that commandment is. And Peter is saying to these persecuted believers. He's exhorting them. That you have love, fervent love, among yourselves. I want to show you three things here. It's to be a faithful love. This is a present tense, continual habitual action. He said that you continually have fervent love among yourselves. Now understand something. What does that mean when I say faithful love? Here's what it means. Not that you just love during the good times. But you'll love during the troubling times. You'll love during the trials. You'll love during the persecutions. You'll love during the tribulations of your life. In other words, that you'll walk in such a way that you'll love regardless of if you're being loved back. Or if you think you're being loved back. In other words, he said it's to be a faithful love. So can I ask you a question today? You say, well, I can't love somebody that mistreats me. Well, you better be glad God loved you. Amen. Because I promise you, you were enemies against God, and there's nothing nobody ever did to you that's worse than what you did to Him. And yet you can be faithful in love. Now listen, I want to remind all of us. I've taught you this a thousand times, but I'm going to teach it to you a thousand more. When you're loving others, it's not you loving others. It is the love of God that he placed in you through the life of Christ that Jesus Christ is loving through you, loving others with his love. So when it says we're to love the Lord, thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul, here's the way it means. God loves himself through you because you have no ability to love someone else with unconditional agape love, God's love, just as you have no ability to to love him with unconditional agape love. But aren't you glad today that God can love others? Amen. And so he says here, love among yourself. Let it be faithful. Don't let it be seasonal. Don't let it be that that is temporary. Let it be faithful. But notice this, a fervent love. He didn't just say love, he said fervent charity. And you say, what does the f- word fervent have to do with it? It deals with the extent. Of the Christian's love. In other words, you could translate it this way love deeply, love extremely. In other words, it's not a casual type love. It's not walking up to someone that's mistreated you and said, Hey, how are you doing? I love you. Turn around, walk away. No, it's that kind of love where you would be willing to wash the feet of your greatest enemy. By the way, isn't that what the Lord Jesus did to do? And so this is a type of love that goes to the very depths of the heart, the very depths of the soul. This is a type of love that he's exhorting here because these believers were being persecuted and he knew, he knew that they were going to struggle to love others. And so he says, I exhort you to love faithfully, fervently, Oh, but watch this. For the charity or agape love cover a multitude of sins. Now here's one of the most misquoted verses in all of us. Because here's what we make it mean. Well, if I just love people, it'll cover all my wrongdoings I've ever done. That is not what this is saying. This is a quotation from the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 12, here's the way it says, Hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sin. So what is it talking about? Well, listen, we're to have a faithful love, a fervent love, we're to have a forgiving love. What it's talking about is this, that it's not that you excuse away sin in other people's lives. It's not that you see sin in other people's lives, or in this case, you're being persecuted. It's not that the persecutors are someone that you excuse away. No, it's not that at all. But it's this, that you get so burdened and broken because of other people's sin, that you do not go out and exploit or go out and broadcast their sin, but instead, in love, you're willing to cover their sin and you're willing to take the burden of their sin and take it before God and not take it to everybody else. That's what it means. You say, well, preacher, where else in the Bible do you find this? Well, y'all ask some great questions. You know that? Genesis chapter 9, verse 18 through 27. Remember what happened? Noah got drunk. Y'all remember that? Noah got drunk, and Ham discovered Noah's drunkenness and went broadcasting. The other two brothers of Ham went to Noah and walked backwards with a sheet and covered his naked body in his drunkenness. Here's what we like to do. When we get mistreated, when we think we've been wrong, What we like to do is we like to bear our grievance with others. Instead of walking backwards in brokenness for someone else's sin, taking it to God instead of everybody else. And I want to tell you something, folks. When you love unconditionally, your concern is going to be from others. And not yourself. Are y'all hearing me say amen? That's what this verse is saying. And so there's a forgiving form of love. Matthew chapter 6 in the model prayer. says this. For if you forgive men their trespasses. Your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses. Your heavenly father will not forgive your trespasses. Now you say well preacher, what does that mean? It just simply means this. If you've been forgiven, you will forgive. If you've not been forgiven, you will have a hard time forgiving others. And so what it's talking about is not a conditional statement. It's talking about a proving statement. That the proof of your life that you've been forgiven is you will forgive others. And if you will not forgive others, you have never been forgiven. You say, preacher, are you saying that someone is unwilling to forgive others has never been forgiven? No, I did not say that. God said that. That's what it's saying. And so you need to understand today that forgiving others is a natural outflow of the forgiveness you've experienced. How can we not forgive others if God forgave us? I mean, this is is what he's saying. So when he says that love shall cover a multitude of sins, here's what he's saying. That if I have unconditional love that's not based on what somebody does, says, or does to me, but it's based upon the love of God in me, and I love others as he loved me, and I can love others the way he loved me, then therefore, because he forgave me, who was an enemy against him, then I can forgive others, but not me, but him through me. Are y'all hearing me say Amen. You say, well, preacher, if that's the case, we'd never have him. Ding, 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 you won the prize. Are y'all hearing me? I mean, this is what it's saying. There has to be forgiving love. So when he says, listen, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Fervent love, agape. He's given this command, an exhortation of love. Let me show you secondly, the exercising of love. Look at verse 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Now I want you to look at two things. This word hospitality, what does it mean? It means a willingness to love. Hospitality here has this idea. In the original language, it has the idea of inviting in a stranger to be a guest in your home. Now, here's what I'm saying to you. It's, he's not exhorting specifically that we go out and invite every stranger into our home. That's not what he's saying. It's that kind of attitude of heart that whereby I would have such an uh, attitude of heart that I would be willing to show hospitality to whoever God props me to to do so. Okay? And this is the willingness of love. And listen, if you're not walking in love, you're not going to do that. Now, you can make yourself do anything for a season, but I promise you, there'll come a point when you will side with self instead of helping someone else. You can't can't cover this in your own flesh. This is a spirit work in you. But there's a willingness to love Use hospitality. But here's the wonder of it. Without grudging. Well, here's the rub. Say, preacher, I was all for this verse until you got to that part. Because here's what it said. Without complaint. Now, let's just be totally. 100% tonight transparent before God. How many of you had guests in your home? Many times even family. Are y'all hearing me say amen? Amen. And after two or three days, you're saying to your spouse, when are they going to get out of here? I can't afford to feed them. But here's what it says. Have love among yourselves. And that love will exercise itself in hospitality towards others, whereby the wonder of love is this. You can exercise that hospitality towards others without any reservation complaint, or grievance. Now, I'm just going to be honest before God in front of you. The only way that happens in your life is you've got to be dead to self. I mean, let's just be transparent here tonight. Because if there's any self about you, I promise you somebody will get under your skin real quick. And so this is is what he's talking about here. And so you see the exercising of love. Now look at the third thing, verse 10. The evidence of love. And every man hath received the gift. Now, most commentators translate this in the plural. Every man has received various gifts. That's the way 90% of the translators translate this. Okay? But if you really look it up in the original language, it's translated right here. It's talking about a singular gift. Now you say, well, what singular gift is he talking about? Love. How many agree today? If you're saved today, the love of God was shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. So if you're saved today, how many of you saved today? Say amen. Every one of us received the gift of love. And so what he's saying here is, there is the evidence of love. So you have the understanding of giftedness. What do you mean? That every born again believer has the gift to love with his love. Everyone. Then you say, well, well, preacher, some people just have the ability to love others better than I do. No! No! It's not up to you loving others better than they do or them loving others better than you do. It's loving them by his love. And the same love he placed in you is the same love he placed in them. And therefore, guess what? It's the same love that he walked upon this earth for 33 and a half years. That's right. And you've got to understand the gift that God gave you in this love. But to understand this gift is to utilize this gift. Notice the utilization of gifts. Every man has received the gift. Even so, minister the same one to another. Minister what? The gift. Love. He said, "As good stewards of the manifold grace of God." So, what does that mean? How many agree that everything Jesus Christ gave us in himself is grace? So as stewards, what does that mean? To be housekeepers of, to be one that is protective of, to be one that is guarded of, to be one that is always understanding the ownership of is someone else. And you're just stewards of what somebody else has. And so when you realize the love, the gift that you have is not yours, it's his. Then here's what he says. Minister that. Minister that. And as you minister that, here's what you're doing. You're being stewards, good stewards, which the word good means excellent. You're being excellent stewards of the manifested grace of God. The manifold grace of God. So guess what? How many of you glad today that God showed you grace? Amen. All right. Uh, y'all, y'all didn't hear me. How many of you glad today that God showed you grace? Amen. All right. Let's see how glad you are. Amazing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a grace. like me. I once was lost, an enemy against God. But now I see. The Son of God once, once, but now I see. So, how do I take the grace that I experienced and let others experience? Manifest the love of God. I have people, I know y'all are going to think this is absolutely bizarre. And I know you're going to think this is absolutely crazy. And I know this before I say it. But you're not going to believe this. There's some people who don't like me. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I know. But can I tell you why some people like me less and less? Because if I know somebody don't like me, I'm all over I'm going to love the stink out of it. Are y'all hearing me say amen? amen? You say, why is that? Well, number one, it's biblical. I didn't say I wasn't going to be honest with you. But I'm going to love them. Because if someone don't like you, and they make that clear to you or to others, It's someone that's showing you they don't want to minister grace to you. So what about showing and ministering grace to them? That maybe as you do, God shows them they don't have grace at all. Are y'all hearing me say amen? I mean, this is what he's saying. And remember, he's talking about persecuted believers here. And, and so you see this evidence of love. This evidence of love is ministered to others. It's this gift that's ministered to others. And as good steward to the manifold grace of God, every time you love in an agape way, every time the Lord loves through you in this way, grace is being communicated to somebody else. Well, notice fourth: the expression of love. Look at verse 11. Here's how love expresses that. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. What is he talking about? The manifested proclamation of love. In other words, when you love in agape love, when you let the Lord Jesus love through you, here's the reality. You're going to speak truth to others, and as you speak truth to others, the truth you're going to speak to others is not your opinion about a subject, but the truth about the subject that God gave. Are you hearing me? So in other words, your conversation is going to be based upon what God says, not what you think. And so this love begins to manifest itself. It manifests itself in your communication. It manifests itself in how you talk to others. And so he says, he said, if you're going to minister in this way, If you're going to serve in this way, if you're going to speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. As the voice or word of God. Speak in that way. But then notice, let me me just do it this. How many agree that sometimes we don't say much about the, the spiritual things because we're afraid somebody will ask us a question we don't know? All right, let me tell you something. Are there times that people come up and ask me questions I don't know? Absolutely there. Number one, there's nothing wrong with saying, let me study and pray on it and I'll get back with it. But here's what I'm here to tell you. If God prompts you to speak, you've got to trust God to put the words in your mind and in your heart. Matthew chapter 10, verse 19 and 20. But when they deliver you up, take no thought of how or what you shall speak. For it shall be given you in the same hour what you shall speak. For it it, it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Listen to me, preacher, people. Are y'all hearing me say amen? amen? If you hear me, I have failed you. Because it shouldn't be me. I should just be an empty vessel available to him that he can express through me what he desires to express. Here's what I'm telling you. Teachers, preachers, it is a supernatural work of the Spirit of God. It's not your education. It's not your practice. It's not your rehearsal. It's not even your desire. It is God working through you. But now hear me. If you're not walking in the perfect will of God in the other aspects of your life, God will not speak through you. That's right. Are y'all hearing me say amen? You say why? Why? Because watch what he said. It is the spirit of your father which speak within you. So how many sins does it take to grieve and quench the Holy Spirit? Now you say, well, we all have sins of ignorance. We do. That's not what he's talking about. But if God's put his finger on something in your life and you're not willing to deal with it, you're off the mark until you deal it. It's the reason your intimacy and your fellowship is so important. Notice the manifested proclamation of love. The manifested power of love. Watch what he says. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability of God which gives. In other words, every act of service that I obey God in, here's the mindset which you and I must have. I bow myself out. I bow him in. In other words, it's God that enables us to serve. It's God that equips us to serve. It's God that empowers us to serve. Listen, I was telling these guys down at this men's conference this. And we saw, listen, we saw a manifestation of God down there talking about this forgiving love that I mentioned a minute ago. Let me give you one story real quick. I'm going to retreat back just for a second. Give you one story real quick. A man in his 40s, he had not spoken to his mom in 15 years. One time in 15 years he'd not spoken to his mom. He got under such conviction that he got on the phone, he walked out, got on the phone and called his mom and his side of the story was his mom did something to him but yet he got on the phone and he called his mom and he said mom first time in 15 years he had heard her voice and she had heard his voice and he said mom he said I'm sorry would you forgive me another man got under conviction and went out and called his wife and said to his wife He said, honey, I've realized tonight that I've not been the husband that you need and I've not been the husband that God's called me to be. I've not been the spiritual leader of my home. Would you please forgive me? What what caused them to do that? Did they just, in their mind, go, you know, this would be a good thing to do? No. No. The Spirit of God enabled them to do that. The Spirit of God pricked them, yes, but the Spirit of God enabled them. How hard would it be to call somebody that you think wrongs you and you haven't talked to in 15 years and ask them to forgive you? I promise you, only God could do something (laughs) like that. Only God can do something like that. I mean, this is what we're talking about. So every act of service, you've got to understand, it is the ability that God did. This is the manifested power of love. But notice this. Not only do we see the expression of love, the evidence of love, the exhortation of love, and the exercising of love, but notice the exaltation of love. What comes out of love? Is this love is expressed through me and through you. It says that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So here's the way it is. As faithful, fervent, and forgiving love is manifested through me. As I begin to walk in his love and he begins to demonstrate that love through me towards others, even those that have mistreated me, then all of a sudden what happens? God begins to work. As God begins to work, let me tell you something. It's not that they can come up to you and say, Boy, I'm so proud of what you did. Oh no, it wasn't your love. Here's what comes out of love being demonstrated. Love being demonstrated It is God that's glorified through Jesus Christ. How is God glorified through Jesus Christ? Because it was Christ's love in you that was manifested. And so God the Father is glorified through Jesus Christ, who's the one that manifested the love, and to be glory for Him forever and ever. Amen. That means what? God always gets the glory. God is always exalted. The Lord Jesus is manifested. And when God the Father sees His Son, He's always glorified. You and I can't take credit for anything. Somebody may walk up to you and say, how in the world can you forgive somebody and love somebody that did that to you? Here's what you ought to ask. I can't. Now they're going to look at you like you're from Mars. They're going to say, what do you mean you can't? You just did it. No, I didn't. Jesus did it through. One of the reasons so many people have trouble. Loving others with his love. Forgiving others. is because they think they can't. Can I love on y'all a minute? Say amen. Amen. If you know you can't, you're halfway to victory. Because when you realize you can't, you realize he can. And he will. If you'll just yield to him and let him. Can I ask you a question tonight? Are you easily offended? you are, you're not walking in the love of God. For of him, through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. How many of you remember when God saved you? How many of you would say in here that God gave you more than one chance? Now some of you may have surrendered the first time. That's good but how many of you would agree that there's some of us in here that God had to work on a little bit? Alright. Aren't you glad today that when God showed you that the first time and you didn't respond in repentance and faith, God didn't get offended at you? Well, I'm offering them life eternal. My son's life. They said no to it. Ah, I'm done with it. How many of you glad God don't treat us that way? Yeah. <clears throat> you say, why does God give us opportunities like that? Because God's love is. That's the only way God can be. When it says God is love, it's translated this way. God love is. There's three times a term like that's used for God. God is holy. God holy is. God is spirit. God spirit is. And those three terms means this. They're not characteristics of God. They're more than that. They are who God is. He can't be anybody but who he is. But the God who love is came alive in you when he saved you. So the God who love is is he love is you in other words do you look like him father I thank you and I praise you today that father you first loved us father we didn't initiate loving you because we couldn't and you knew that So you first loved us. You manifested yourself towards us in love. And then in response of your loving, gracious gift of salvation through your Son, you placed in us what you manifested towards us, your love so, Father, I pray tonight that if there's anybody in this place that unconditional agape love has never been realized in their life, you would let them see tonight the reason for that is it only comes through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And they don't know you. But Father, I pray equally for everyone in here that has your love. Because they've been saved. They've been indwelt with your life by your Holy Spirit. But yet they just be honest. Sometimes they just have trouble loving us. Father, I pray tonight that they'd obey whatever you put upon their heart. Maybe tonight. Somebody in this place needs to get up and go outside these doors and call somebody and say, please forgive me. Maybe somebody in this place needs to go to somebody else in this place and say, I'm not loved you rightly. I'm sorry. Father, if this is the way your manifold grace is displayed. How urgent of a matter is it in our life? So we may obey you tonight for your glory that your namesake could be lifted up. That you would be exalted. That you would be glorified through the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. Amen.